Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. It is May 7th, 1994. I am Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? So we've had a good week here at Massive Late Fee. We have been viewing the movies, so you don't have to. <laughs> no, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with our pick this week. Uh, we've got some news. I guess, should I explain what the show is? I, You know, I, I don't... Like I said last week, I hate opening the show. I never know what to do. I guess I should tell people what we do. Sure. We cover TV and movies. And t- a little bit of news. Yeah, we, we talk about some news. Sometimes we try to do more national news. We don't do it as often. But there's not there's not that much entertainment news this week, guys. <laughs> That's okay. We found some pretty scandalous stuff. Yeah, my subscription to the Los Angeles Times pays dividends once again. And... I mean, there's stuff about David Letterman and Jay Leno taking their shows on the road. They were asking Letterman if he's going to move his show to Los Angeles like Johnny Carson did way back in the day. In the 60s, The Tonight Show started in New York and then moved to California. That's where Johnny Carson wanted to live, apparently, hmm. to Burbank there. And they asked Letterman about moving his show. And he said, that's not really a big priority for us. So I, I don't I don't really ever see David Letterman leaving New York. You know, I, I, I realize that this is an entertainment show. So this is important, I guess. But I couldn't care less where they film their shows or where they live. I agree. Because it's it doesn't it's not something that translates to the, to the TV. Right. You're not... I mean, I guess when Johnny Carson moved, they they put some palm trees on the set <laughs> or something. But it doesn't it doesn't really matter. No, not at all. I mean, it might matter to the people who live there. It definitely matters to the people who work on the show. Sure, yeah, the crew and everything. Yeah. Crew doesn't want to relocate to Los Angeles. But with all those earthquakes. <laughs> I'd love to live in Los Angeles. Are you kidding me? Palm they just trees. Had, they just had an earthquake this year. A huge earthquake. We have earthquakes too. Yeah, we've got a lot of earthquakes in Michigan. It's a huge problem. Well, we've had them, just like we've had tornadoes. Yeah, okay, well, tornadoes is a little more, that's a little more of an actual concern. The last time we had an earthquake, my mom said the the way that she felt it was she was sitting in a rocking chair and it started rocking a little bit on its own. You know, It's not quite the same type yeah. of thing when the Golden Gate Bridge gets torn asunder. You know, the, um, the earthquake... I- I don't. I mean, I know it wasn't that one, and I honestly don't even remember where it was. But it was. It was close enough to us, but it wasn't actually in Michigan. Where I was laying on my bed reading, and I thought my cat jumped up on the bed, and she didn't. And I was like, "Huh, that's weird." And just went back to my book. And then, like two minutes later, my friend Heather calls, and she's like, "Did you feel that? Oh my God, there was an earthquake!" And I was like, "Uh, no, I, I really didn't." Yeah, we actually do have a large fault that runs. If you ever look at a map of Michigan and it looks sort of detached from Ohio, kind of. I mean, not not entirely, but you, there's that line there on the border mm-hmm. where the where our border line is, is basically where a giant fault runs, yeah. runs underneath it. Because we're surrounded by so much water. That's part of the reason I'm sure it exists. But um, that it's stable. It's a really stable yeah. fault. So it's a huge fault. It's one of the, the biggest faults in our country, actually. But it's a, also a really stable one. And the one in California, the, the San Andreas Fault, is not very stable. It moves a lot. Ours right. doesn't. I mean, I'm just saying it's not like we never have them, and it's not like we couldn't have a big one. I we suppose could. we could. You sure. Anything could happen. So you can't live your life worrying about what's going to happen. You go live in the sunshine and the palm trees, people. <laughs> yeah. Yes, li- literally anything could happen in the world. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. Uh, Hollywood stars get get uh, scandals and fall from grace. That happens all the time. Of course, it's part of life. Yeah. We could discover that gravity is not really a uh, force of binding, but 
Yeah, I, I, I have to disagree with you on that. I don't think that we could discover that gravity was not really the force holding us to the ground. Why? Why don't you think that that, that could happen? Because it's proven. It's scientific. Yeah, but they're always discovering new stuff. I mean, hell, Donald Trump could become president one day. That's never going to happen. Oh, he, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah, that dude. He was, you remember him in Home Alone? <laughs> he was, they filmed it in Trump Tower. Yeah. And I guess he has some sort of clause where he's like, well, you can film in my buildings, but I have to be in the movie. Because he's had cameos in some movies. And he's, like, Kevin's walking through the thing and says, uh, "Where, uh, where's this? Where's Central Park or whatever? And he just kind of points him in the direction and then sort of looks back at him. Yeah, it's weird. That's it's, dumb. It's, the whole thing's stupid. But you know how he's the Mr. I've got all the money, like, you know. Like, and he loves to put his name on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put his name on the White House. Right? How about that? <laughs> yeah, that'll happen one day. Anyway, so the news today is a little more serious <laughs> and weird. <clears throat> In the LA Times, they had a thing, a story. That's what An they, article. That's what they call them, articles. <laughs> so they had a theso. In, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Not again. In the LA Times about the headline. What was the headline? Consensual sex with girl 13 ruled rape. Yeah. Yes, that was it. As if it's a revelation. That sex with a 13-year-old girl is rape. So so you read that and you think, duh. But here's the thing. Is is they're married now. Yeah, with a child. Because they had sex when she was 13 and he was... 22. Okay, she got pregnant and he married her. And now they're married and raising a child. The byline was from Kentucky, or not the byline, but the, the dateline or whatever is from Kentucky. Yeah. So. It is a very Kentucky thing. Shout out to our friends from Kentucky. <laughs> Good job. Anyway, but I guess it happened in 92. So that, that I believe that's what they said, 92. Yeah, so I'm assuming she's 15 so now. she's 15 and he's 24 and they're married. With a two-year-old. With a child. Yeah, that's that's creepy. I mean, like, she could be the no sister more than the mom. You said, I guess maybe it shouldn't be rape what if they're I, married now. I mean, if they're just pressing charges now. I, I mean, I don't think that her husband should get charged when... I don't think they're just pr- tr- pressing charges now. I believe what the story was saying was he was convicted of statutory rape. I don't know if he's in jail because we didn't read the whole story. But I don't know if he's in jail or whatever, but I believe he was convicted of statutory rape and he's he was appealing it. Okay. And the judge said no. Just because you married her doesn't mean it's not a crime. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but think about it. Like, if they, if, okay, so they're married. I'm assuming, you know, he's providing for them financially because she's a child herself. Maybe her parents are. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would really hurt her and their child to send the dad to jail. Almost as much as it hurt to have sex with someone way older than her, get pregnant, have a child, and lose her entire childhood. Almost almost as bad as that. The guy needs to be punished. You can't just you can't just issue get out of jail free cards like it's a monopoly game to a guys that prey on young women just because they're gonna marry them. So you don't think that a 13-year-old girl can have consensual sex? No. At what age do you think it should be consensual? How old are you? Haha, <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Did you forget when my birthday is, too? No, I know when your your birthday's coming up. Yes, sir. I've got to uh, make some plans for, uh, for your birthday. <laughs> you better. You're turning the age of consent, right? <laughs> ne- next, uh, next article. Okay. What else did we read about? Oh, Bill Clinton being sued by somebody for making sex sexist and lewd con or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Comments. Uh, comments. Yeah. Well, while he was a governor. Well, he was governor of Arkansas. Now, why why now instead of then? That's the only thing. I mean, eh. well, when he was running, that whole Paula Jones things ha- happened. 
Paula uh-huh. Jones said that he was inappropriate with her and, and stuff like that. And then the I think maybe because of the Anita Hill thing that just happened, that you know, not just happened, but happened a couple of years ago. I think that's part of it too. I think maybe women are kind of they're seeing that other women are saying this stuff happened to me and they're seeing that kind of bravery and they're saying me too that stuff happened to me too and they they want to get their stories out there as well okay but it's two years into the presidency well it's yeah it's a year and a half i okay. guess but he's been january the president 93 for a while. yeah so it just, I don't know, to me it just seems like an odd time. I just feel like, you know, if you're going to pull something like that out, it should have been when he was running for office or something, not now. Well, I will say this. I like some of the stuff that he's doing as president. There are a couple things that I'm not as cool about, but I like most of the stuff that he's doing as president, but I don't like any of the stuff that I've heard that he's done in private. He seems... Like a a dog. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for his wife. Oh, yeah, Hillary. Yeah. She's, well, she's doing a lot of stuff in the government, too. I yeah, mean, but... She's, she, the whole uh, health care thing that she's, she's trying to do. Yeah, I just, I feel bad because it's got to be embarrassing to have it all out there that her husband's, like, coming on to women and being inappropriate with them all oh, the time. Oh, yeah, and I think she has the nation's sympathy and probably always will. Yeah. I think that most people just kind of feel bad for her because of everything he's put her through. And she's, you know, she's definitely clearly firmly in that victim role. He, um, he seems like a charming person, which makes it oh, yeah. more upsetting, I think. It's like, you know, you have your heroes and then you find out they're not. And I, I know somebody in that category. I know somebody that works at the airport in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And he came here for a campaign thing i want to say it well must have been 90 91 or 92 when he was running for president Mm -hmm. and then he was here just a little while ago so this a couple years in between these stories and she said she works at the airport and she said to him when when he arrived the second time i you probably don't remember me but and he said, no, I remember you. And he said her name. He referenced the stuff that they were talking about when when they met the first time. And is just like a completely charming guy. So yeah, obviously he's a very charming guy with an incredible memory. To just how many people does he meet every day? And he totally remembers this person. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, so... You know, impressive in certain ways, but like most people, flawed in many other ways. Yeah, well, everybody's human. Speaking of flawed people, we watched 90210 again this week. Oh, gosh, yeah. So, Carol, why don't you you regale us with tales of 90210? So, we finally found out who got cast in the lead of the play. Yeah, it's a a throwaway line in the first two minutes of the episode. Was it? Sort of. She basically, she just, Brenda just comes in and says, hey, I got the role. Right. And everyone's like, oh, cool. And then she goes up to, she goes up to the, the, the bottle blondes. <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember their names. Donna and Kelly. And says, hey, I got the role. And they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. It didn't seem like a big enough reaction, especially because Kelly, I mean, yeah, okay, she dropped out, but. She... Oh, yeah. That was completely thrown away, basically. Yeah. Like, she has no emotional investment in this play at all anymore. But, um, yeah, so Brenda got cast, and the other girl, Laura. Laura, yeah. She gets cast as her understudy. Mm-hmm. She's not happy about that. She's not happy about that at all. No. And everyone is wondering how. How she got cast when she was so bad in her audition. Yeah, and, and the weird part to me is these are all adult people at this point, right? I mean, they're, they're I suppose. late teens, early 20s. Yeah, they don't act like it, but okay. Right. Now, I mean, I kind of get Donna because she's a virgin, so, you know, she's supposed to be a little more naive. naive. 
But none of them seem to think, hey, maybe she slept with him until Steve Sanders. Yeah. Well, she says, because they ask her, how did she get the part? Or they, she, I think Donna says something like, and you were afraid that you blew it or yeah. whatever. And she said, oh, I did. His penis. No, she said, <laughs> she said, oh, I did. But I went to his house late at, late at night, that night, and asked for a second chance. And he gave it to me. Now, here's my question. If she did sleep with him, why would she say that? Yeah. Why would she say, oh, I went to his house late at night? Right. Why would she even intimate that if she actually did sleep with, would sleep with him? She would have just covered it all up. That's true. She would have come up with some sort of story. That's true. Anyway, but yes, yeah, so she says that. That's why Steve thinks maybe she slept with him. Yeah, I mean that. Laura that's, puts the idea in his head too. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it was Laura, not him. But still, I mean, it, it just it, the rumor mill starts going, obviously. But courtesy of courtesy of Steve and Laura throw uh, homosexuals out of the closet. Steve Sanders. Yeah, he's kind of a jackass. He really, really is. He is. My, I, I've only seen maybe three episodes of this show now. Watching it with you, I've never seen it before. And he is my least favorite character. Yeah. I, I mean, he's not like, like what redeeming qualities does he even have? I don't know. He's not attractive, so he can't get away with it. <laughs> and yeah, he has a crap personality. And in this whole thing, the only person who doesn't buy into the rumor is Dylan. Yep. And and like I said to you at the time, why are, why are Brendan and Dylan not together? Brendan and Dylan. They have a much better relationship than... He and Donna do. Kelly. Than he and Kelly do. <laughs> Jeez, you gotta get it together, man. Well, in fairness, he does have a better relationship with her than he does with Donna. So I don't well, think they share any true, yeah. I don't think they share any scenes together. But no, he, he has a better relationship than he does with Kelly. They're always fighting and just little things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they're never on the same page about anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sorry, Kelly is a little prettier than Brenda, but not that much prettier. No. I, I mean, I don't think it could be that. No, I don't think so. Man, I wish I hadn't stopped watching. I have so many questions and, and very little answers. <sighs> I'll have to talk to my friend who's been watching the whole time and find out what happened. What happened between... That's the burning question for Massive Life Fee. What happened between Dylan and Brenda? And and Kelly. I got the name right. Dylan and Brenda and Kelly. Like, I wonder if, if he cheated on her or like... It was probably the, the drinking. That's my guess. Yeah. They did hint about the drinking. That's true. She couldn't handle it anymore. Okay, so Brenda is the lead. Everybody's talking smack about her. She's mad at everybody because they're talking about her. And they don't, and they don't believe that they believe that she would have done this. Yeah. What I think is funny too is they cast her as the villain in this. When because what they say is what Laura says and Steve says is that this dude Rathburn or Basil Rathbone, whatever his oh name is. Oh my God, why can't I think of his name now? Uh, that he has a reputation for sleeping with his lead actresses. Right. And Which Brenda knew, trying out. Yes. Way. They all they all talked about it. Yeah. And that if she stooped so low as to have sex with him to get the part, that she's the villain. Not that this dude... Speaking of, like, the people in Kentucky. Right. Not that this guy, older, in a position of power, sets up a situation where he gets sex from these actresses in order for roles. That's fine. That's cool. That's just what's expected of him. But if she takes advantage of that, quote unquote, or feels she needs to do that to get a role, then she's the she's the villain. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point that, you know, he, he is the one wrong there. I guess, you know, that people still have this boys will be boys attitude, you know? And so it's okay that he wants to sleep with them all, but it's like because they all know he's going to try to sleep with them that it's the woman's fault and they have to, you know, put up a fight. It's 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 such old world thinking, but it, it just is. I've never agreed with that point of view. I think that's the stupid, the, the boys will be boys. That's stupid. I, it, I agree, but in my it, it just, it is what it is. I mean, that's... I mean, I have no problem with guys 
acting like guys in certain situations. Guys talk about girls. I'm sure girls talk about guys. Yeah, we do. And, you know, and guys like to have sex. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Girls like to have sex, too. Yeah, well, yeah, I I agree. But we're talking about guys right now. But I, I... I don't, you know, guys like sports, all that, all that stuff. I'm fine with all of that, but there's, you know, I don't like when it extends to sexual assault, you know, or, or bullying people. I hate bullying so much. I hate bullies and people that want to make other people feel bad. I always end up standing up for other people. When it comes to that, I hate that shit. Here, here's the thing, though. Okay, we're talking about people who are over the age of 18. Sure. And, yeah, okay, he's in a position of power, I guess, because he's the director. Yeah. But he's also a very charming, handsome guy who, you know, it seems like might actually be charming the women to want to go to bed with him rather than bullying them, as you're putting it. Well, I don't think that... I'm not saying that he's bullying them. I'm just saying I don't. I don't... There are things that people excuse as typical male behavior that I think is not typical male behavior. It's just dumb, entitled behavior. Okay. But. That'll give you. But, I, yeah, there's nothing wrong with an actress being attracted to their director or wanting to sleep with their director. I think it's sort of inappropriate while the play is going on. Yeah, I agree I mean, with that. I mean, afterwards, sure, but. I think it's sort of inappropriate on both parts while while the play is going on. But they they make it very clear that it's more than just flirting, that he sort of puts that out there for whomever wants to accept. Right. And then they'll get the part. And that is the thing that I think is wrong. And that's that's using your position of power in an abusive way. Yeah, because um, Kelly does mention that she that he kind of flirted with her too. That she got the impression that he was open if she was willing. Right. And at one point, Laura also says she had the opportunity and she should have taken it. Yep. So yeah, that's true. Um, but then, oh, my mind just went blank. Um, that's new. Ha ha ha. So Brenda comes in, tells everybody. And then they start rehearsing. Yeah. They they go to, uh, not run-throughs, but read-through. They yeah. go through a read-through. And Laura's feeling all sorry for herself because she's the understudy, so she doesn't even get to read. She's just sitting there. Everyone, everyone kind of introduces themselves, or not really, but the director goes through and introduces everyone. And the, the brick that... That is the understudy to the brick looks more like brick than the brick brick does. See, I don't know how you even know who, what these people are supposed to. It's a play. Yeah. So how do you I know guess what I'm basing it on? Like? I guess I'm basing it on the movie. Yeah, I mean you, you can't. I mean just because they look like the people in the movie or not, that doesn't mean that that's I, what the playwright envisioned when they wrote the play. No, but they they cast they cast a specific look for brick. You know, it's a former athlete and everything. He's you know, he's a big guy. Okay. Very built. Just, I don't know, the other guy looks more the part to me okay. than the other one did. But maybe maybe the guy that got the part slept with the director. <laughs> so, um, Laura's feeling, you know, upset, jealous, thinks Brenda, you know, cheated her. Steve even says to her, you were robbed because he was there and he thinks she did a better audition. Well, she did during that audition. Yeah, but we have no idea what the audition was like when Brenda went back to his house. Because they faded to black. And, you know, honestly, they keep you guessing for like half the episode whether or not she really did sleep with him. Because she never says she didn't. Correct. Every time that it's brought up, she kind of scoffs at the idea, but she never says, no, I didn't. Right. And sometimes people kind of directly ask her. Yeah. And she still does not answer the question. And um, the only time that you really... And it's still not directly said by her but i guess by him it is that they didn't sleep together when she goes to his house again lets herself in by the way like how close are they she just let herself in oh your door wasn't locked and he's in the backyard sunbathing yeah well she misses rehearsal because laura calls her house and says that rehearsal's been moved from 1 p.m to 4 p.m yeah so that she'd miss the whole thing and he has like a zero tolerance policy. 
So she kind of explains what happened, and that's why she gets to stay in the play. But yeah, she comes over to uh, his house. She wants to apologize, and he says he's heard the rumors too, and that that it's unfortunate. That that's what people think. They make it really clear. They don't even they don't ever say it, but they make it really clear. Yeah. They didn't sleep with each other. And to kind of nail home my point, he says that when he took the position working at this school, I guess he works for the school. Okay. He's some famous director of of stage productions, but he the the school hired him out, I guess, to do their their production. So maybe, or maybe he's kind of like retiring into a teaching role. And I mean, because, you know, the professors at universities will put on the plays. Right. So that's possible. But anyway, he said when he accepted the, the position, they made him sign an agreement that he wouldn't touch the coeds. <laughs> so it's not good for him either. Right. If they think that he's violating that. And Brenda's like, well, I hope you don't get in trouble for nothing. Like, right. Yeah. So you're right. They did. They, they definitely said it. So, okay, so they didn't actually sleep together, even though it was so strongly implied. And um, she had missed rehearsal, so Laura's, Laura's hoping she's going to get kicked out because of his zero tolerance policy. Right. That does not happen. Now Brenda's talked to him, and he decides to call Laura out in front of God and everybody Yep. on the stage and uh, kicks her out of the play. Yep. And, you know, because he knows who it was. Yeah. That called that called her and messed her up. Which I, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess you can figure it out, but I mean it's not like they have actual proof. It's just a strong suspicion it could have been somebody else. Well it was a female that called to say that the times were changed and there is literally two other women in the play mm-hmm. and one's Brenda's understudy and the other is uh Big Mama. Right. So I mean, it's not hard to figure out which one of them it is. Yeah, Laura wasn't very bright about that. No. So, yeah, so she gets kicked out, and Steve goes chasing after her. You know, it's funny, though. You're you're skipping, like, a lot of this episode. Okay, you know what? Next time, I'm going to sit there and take notes, like, beat by beat. So you don't have to call me out all the time. Apparently, you need to. Okay. But when when they first talk about it she says oh i could kill her or whatever right and she looks off like a psychopath <laughs> like she gets that thousand yard stare where she's just looking over the top of her eyes <laughs> and then when she when brenda comes back and convinces that stage manager to smooth things over before she actually talks to eddie rascal whatever his name is uh-huh uh, she she talks to Steve after they get into a, like kind of a verbal fight with Brenda, and she says maybe she could get hurt, <laughs> like yeah she could break a toe or a finger. And Steve's like, yeah, I could break her toe and fa- you know I could break her jaw too. I'm so mad at her. And she said, of course she'd have to make it look like an accident. And she again, she's just staring off into space, yeah, as if you know Satan is uh, whispering to her. Crazy eyes. And it, you know, by the way, the way she plays the, it's it's comical, yeah, almost. It's not great acting the way she plays being deranged. But anyway, so Steve all of a sudden is like, "Well, you're not serious, are you?" And she's like, "Yeah." And well, she didn't say yes, but. It's clear she's serious. Well, and then, you know, we don't see this, but, it, you know, he talks about later that he actually agrees. That he's going to do it, yeah. Because he's afraid that if he doesn't, that she'll do it herself. Right. Which, you know, I mean, that was being a decent friend. He's a dick. But <laughs> he, 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 came to, he came to his senses, I guess, at the last minute, just like he did in that episode with the gay guy. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, now I'm going to do the right thing. Now that I've been an asshole for 75% of the episode, now I'll turn around and do the right thing and tell everyone that he references Tanya Harding, which I think is funny. Yeah. I, I Clearly, I'm sure they were inspired by that incident. Yeah. It's fairly recent. They might have even just added that into a scene that was already written. Maybe. I don't know how, I don't know how in advance they write these. Right. I, I'm not sure. But... Yeah, so now they got to figure out what they're going to do. 
There's two psychopath women in this episode. Yes, there are. We haven't even talked about Claire yet. Claire doesn't get much play in this episode, but there's definitely a storyline there. So, um, Brendan is going to Berkeley for what? Again, I can't even remember. His paper that he wrote about the future of education or something like that is going to be part of the keynote address. And he's going to Berkeley for something. Yeah. Related to that. Now, this is, you know, him with the chancellor again. And Claire later shows up at his house with two tickets to Berkeley because she wants to go with him. Two tickets to paradise. (laughs) She is so stupid. Like, I don't understand why she won't just let it go. He's told her so clearly. She's obsessed. So. She's like stalking him. Yeah. And, And, you know, her dad work you know being his boss does not help i really feel bad for brandon i guess he's in a bad situation yeah well we'll see how much longer he's in that situation yeah but yeah he tries to explain to the dad that she, well the dad says that he likes the fact that they're dating because apparently they're dating right and that he's better than most of the lugs she brings home they always seem to get themselves into hot water and he literally says to him, well, that might not entirely be their fault, sir. And he, like, doesn't respond. Like, he just has blinders on. It's willful ignorance. So, she wants to go to Berkeley with him, and as his last ditch effort, he goes and talks to Dad. Oh, and Dad had said, too, don't get into much trouble in Berkeley now, because you're the one who kept my daughter out late on prom night. Berserkly in Berkeley. Berkeley. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he's trying to bring in the big guns. He thinks, hey, if I tell her dad how she behaved, and he tells her, tells him that she, you know, instigated a fight in the hotel room and all that stuff, that, you know, he'll put a stop to things. Well, she just looks amused as fuck when he tells her. Yeah. Because she knows that daddy is going to take her side. Yep. So, that's not going to work out for, uh, for good old Dylan Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, she, I mean, she said, what did she say? You just dug your own grave, I think. Yeah, so he's probably getting fired. Yeah. And I mean, the dad, like, took a phone call in the middle of their conversation. He's just like, I'm sorry, she's being a nuisance. I'll take care of it. Like, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's over, Brandon. Take care of you. He does not like to hear bad things about his little girl. Yeah, and so then Laura decides that she's going to kill herself. Yeah, Steve goes to talk to her and finds a suicide note on the bed addressed to whom it may concern. (laughs) Who does that? Come on now. So he's tearing across campus instead of calling the police to go get to the theater before she kills herself because she's doing her final performance. And he runs into Brenda. How convenient. And so she goes running with him and they go in and find Laura up in the rafters wearing the white dress that he had given her for the audition. Oh, is that what she was wearing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And wrapping a noose around her neck. A very poorly tied noose. She is not a, a naval officer, clearly. <laughs> clearly. She's not using a bowline hitch or a bowline with a bite or a midshipman's hitch. I have no idea what any of that means. Or a square hitch. No hitches for Laura. So Steve says he's going to get security while Brenda is talking to her, but he actually climbs up and, uh, of course, grabs her just in the nick of time as she's about to jump to her death. Yeah, Brenda talks to her. Says all the things that everyone in the audience is thinking. That there are other plays. Mm -hmm. That she's an idiot. She even offers, she's like, I can talk to them and, and we can, you know, both have performances. We can split them and, yeah. Yeah, Laura's, Laura's gonna go away now. You think Brenda would have done that if she had just said, oh, okay, do that? No, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think she would have been willing, no, I think she would have been willing to split the performances with her now that she knows how much it means to her, but I don't think that she'd be available to do that because she's gonna be spending some time with the men in the white coats. Yeah, I agree. I mean, she got taken away in an ambulance, so... With a blanket wrapped around her because they always do that in TV and movies. Right. Everyone's cold when they need to go to an ambulance. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's because people tend to get cold when they're in shock. 
Uh-huh. And I mean, she did try to kill herself. So she might be in shock. I guess. I don't know. I was in shock by how bad her performance was. <laughs> it was pretty bad. The most, the the thing that the crew on this show must struggle with the most, though, is using those big wide-angled lenses so that they can get both of uh, Tori Spelling's eyes <laughs> in the same shot. Oh my god, that's so mean. I noticed that a lot today. That that right eye really goes way askew. Wow. It does. No, it does not. Look at her, look at where her nose is and then see how her left eye is, you know, normal distance from that nose and then look where the right eye is. It's like it's like she's half gecko or something. What the frick? You are so mean. She is not that weird looking. She's okay. a little weird looking. I'll give you a little weird looking. She kind of looks like a dude. Yeah, she's got a little of that going on. But I, I don't think that her face is like deformed. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe she used to be a guy and she was a boxer. <laughs> and she got her face hit so much that her eye just moved. Ugh. That happens. That's gross. So that's how the episode ends. Correct. So we'll have to see what, what new drama they find. Oh, wait. Wait. We forgot about one kind of important thing. Okay. Uh, Dylan's little sister's mom is uh, getting married to that guy. Yeah. The environmental scientist. Who quit his job because he discovered something that would, you know, clean the oceans and they won't let him do it. Right. Yeah. He discovered something that would fix pollution everywhere and... The corporation that he works for is so greedy that they won't they won't patent it and sell it to every country in the world for literally billions of dollars. <laughs> right? Like if they found something, if a corporation found something where it was, you can pollute as much as you want and we can just clean it up with this magic dust, <laughs> they, they would jump on that in a second. He says... Oh, they don't really pay attention to something unless one of the quote-unquote stars in the company comes up with it. Yeah, that's that's how companies work. No company has ever taken the idea of an underling before and used it uh, to for enormous profits. It's never happened. You know, I doubt they'd ever really be able to make something like that, though. I mean, to just clean the water just by pouring it in there. like Yeah. I'd... I mean, he said they could drink it. I wouldn't want to drink it. Like, what chemicals did you just put in there? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think it'll ever happen either. But, yeah, it's like magic dust. But that's the environmental lesson that we get for for the, the week. Right. On 90210. <laughs> They're trying to do their part in the least effective and least effort way possible. A sea story <laughs> on a uh, soap opera. It's not a soap opera. Okay. It's just structured and acted exactly like a soap opera. Right. It just doesn't appear during the day. Correct. Right. Like Dallas wasn't a soap opera. It wasn't. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Tell sure. Them, tell them about the movie we saw this week, babe. Okay, so we went to see... It's not getting... It's not, it's not super popular for it's some so reason. It's so good, though. It's so funny. Uh, we went to see Jeremy Piven... And others, I don't know, other people, in <laughs> in a movie called PCU, which stands for Port Chester University, and is also a pun. Politically correct university. Yeah, because, oh man, the, the woman that plays the president of the school, and I cannot think of her name, Jessica Walter, that's okay. her name. The old creepy lady that, that the young guy's trying to sleep with, that's just, that just weirds me out. Yeah. She was a somewhat popular actress when she was very young. You know, she's been working in Hollywood for a long time. Yeah, I'm sure. She's, she was ne- she's never been a big star, mm-hmm. but she's had roles sort of like she plays in this movie, in lots of movies over the years. She used to be quite attractive, actually, like way back when. I mean, no offense if Jessica Walter happens to... To get this. Yeah. You're still a striking woman, Miss Walter. <laughs> but obviously that's what happens. You know, we, we look we look our best when we're younger and then as we get older we're wiser. Well, that's and, what happens to women. And I think I think she is 
a better actress and a funnier actress. She, she did a lot of sort of musical, kind of musical comedy, but not much comedy on, in, for the role she was in and some more serious movies. This is the first I've sort of seen her in a comedic role where she's being very dry, very sarcastic in her performance. She's not uh, overly flamboyant in her comedic performance, but her performance is really funny as she plays off of other funny people like like David Spade. And I think she's really rounded out into a very... She knows how to deliver lines. Almost... I know you didn't like The Naked Gun, but almost Leslie Nielsen-like in her ability to deliver funny lines in a serious way. Okay. I think she's really done... She's really found a, a niche with that, and I hope that she does something with it in the future. Yeah. Or somebody gives her an opportunity to do something with it in the future because she's really good at it. Okay. But anyway, so the premise of this movie is pretty simple. There's a dude, and he's he's a senior in high school, or as they call him, a pre-frosh. <laughs> so he's, which I've never heard of in yeah, my me life. Either. But he's visiting the university from Delaware, and they're in Connecticut. So he drove, or he you know, rode six hours on a bus to get there to see if he wants to go to PCU in the fall. And he gets assigned this guy. You know, I don't know what his name is. Is his name Draws? Droz? What did they, what did they call him? I don't know. It was James Alexander was his real name, I believe. And I think they called him Draws. I don't think they called him by his real name. No, they didn't. That's what I'm saying. I think that's what they called him was Draws. Right. So, I don't know where that comes from. We never get an explanation on that. But, anyway, that's what they call him. But that's Jeremy Piven. And he's a senior. He's been there for seven years, we find out later. <laughs> which which I think is sort of a, a play on the... Or, like, a joke at the fact that Jeremy Piven does not look like a college student in any way right. whatsoever. But... So he's like the leader of this fraternity. We get a really quick, you know, there's a joke. This is, here's one thing that I like about the movie. I know we're all over the place, but here's one thing I like about the movie. They do things as jokes, but the jokes are you set up other things that get paid off later. That's one thing that anyone out there that wants to make movies, you guys need to, to listen up because they don't do this enough in Hollywood. Set up and pay off. Both for jokes and for plot information. He goes to this fraternity where this guy is. The fraternities have been outlawed on the campus. The entire campus is filled with politically correct factions yeah. that want to do different things. We'll get to them in a minute. But he goes to this house where they live. Former fraternity. They call it the pit. And we see that it's played as a joke. But it also sets up valuable information. Right. We see through the 40s and the 50s, he's looking at all the pictures of the alumni that were in this fraternity over the years. We see the 40s and the 50s, everyone's in that conservative the, uh, suit with the tie and the, the white shirt and everything. And then we get to 1967, and, or 1969, and they all there it's it's a group photo instead of instead of it looking like your high school graduation photo where it's a little portrait of everybody mm-hmm. side by side it's a group photo of very hippie looking right. people you know on a on a couch or whatever and then 19 you go to the 1970s there's fewer people than there were before and they they're even more like very 70s long hair kind of stuff you go to the 80s there's even fewer people they're clearly punks then you get into now 1994 it's or 1993 i think was the year on the because it was yeah. the previous year and it's a polaroid it's a polaroid picture that falls <laughs> off the wall of like four people right so it's clear something has happened and it gets paid off later of why that is and I think that's that because later we meet the antagonist, David Spade, and they have a fraternity for some reason called Balls and Shaft <laughs> is the name of their fraternity. Very stupid. But they're very conservative Republicanite type people. And they they mention 
that they used to have that house. That was where their fraternity was located until fraternities were outlawed. And then they had to go underground. And this group took over the house that they used to live in. That's why everything changes from the 50s into 19, like around 1967, when fraternities were outlawed on the campus. Mm -hmm. And that's why it became that. And that's why there's fewer and fewer people in it as we go along. So it's a joke, but it sets up in plot information for later in the movie. And that's a smart way to write a script. And I think that there's a few things like that that happen in this movie. And I think that's, that's part of the reason why I think this movie works. Plus, Jeremy Piven seems like he might be an asshole in real life, <laughs> but he's really good playing this kind of guy. Yeah. So anyway, we we go from there. He goes and, and they find out his name is Tom. Tom, yeah. Okay. He meets that, that one girl. I can't remember her name, but she's a freshman. Katie? Is her name sure. Katie or Kelly? I, I don't remember names. I'm sorry. Anyway. No help here. So... She's the big love interest in the movie. Yeah, and he checks out her ass. Yeah. That's what I remember about her. Okay. (laughs) So she tells him where where he can find Jeremy Piven. Finds him, talks to him, and he tries to pawn him off on other people. But they're not not biting. Yeah. So then he starts, he takes him on a tour, kind of, of this is what the campus is. And this is where we meet all the different groups. Yeah. So there are people that... That are protesting everything. It's kind of like it's sort of a sort of a take on or satire of what the political climate's like now. Because we're so divided. Yeah. I don't know if we'll ever be as divided as we are right now. But there are so many factions of save the whales, save the planet kind of people. Mm-hmm. And then there are the more conservative people like David Spade is portraying. Where, you know, they have certain ideas, people that are poor, horrible, all this stuff. It's a caricature, but they're all caricatures. Right. They have the minority groups that, like, the uh, the black... There's a bunch of black students that are walking around on campus for some reason, all together. And they never explain what they are. They they totally gloss over this this thing completely. So, once again, black people are give, given the short end of the stick. But what I assume is, is there like the Black Caucus or something like like a Black Student Union type thing? Okay, that's what that's what I'm assuming they are. They never really, they never really voice any concerns. They never try to get anything changed. Well, I mean, the, not not in the movie anyway. The the concern, I guess you could say, they voice is you know just like that they hate white people. It seems like I mean when he runs into the group and they're like, this right here is an example of. You know, a rich white guy. Oh yeah, that's true. They do kind of go over the top. I guess it's supposed to be like more like a Black Pantherish, but maybe, but not violent, not as not as militant. Yeah, I guess as the Black Panthers were at times. That's a controversial thing too. Right, we're not going to get into. But anyway, so yeah, so there's there's all these different factions, and there's people who they'll have a cause of the week, and then the next week they move on to a different cause. Because you know how pe- how short people's attention spans are. They'll pay attention to something for a week, then they move on to something else. Which, it's accurate. All the, yeah. all the criticisms of all the different groups are all accurate in this movie. And this week it's meat. They're protesting that meat is murder, people should be vegetarians and stuff. So they start throwing meat at them. And then we learn that... I'm sorry, you just skimmed over like one of the funniest scenes of the movie. Okay, though. well, go ahead. No, I mean, because they had something like, I don't know, 100 pounds of meat. And they had to break in through the like picket line or whatever mm-hmm. to get into the meat. And then they're dumping it. Just little droplets at first. Right. Like, it's freaking raining. It was hilarious. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But anyway, so, yeah, they, they do that and they get complaints. We find out that the, the main woman is Moonbeam. <laughs> oh, and then there's the, they don't call them feminists. They call them womanists. Yeah. And they're women with a Y. Yeah. So I, I don't, this is another, another one where, like, like I said, all these are taken over the top, but I think, you know, that it's, it's good satire. Yeah. I mean, like for me personally, I, I think that women deserve like equal pay for equal work and that sure. kind of stuff, but yep. feminists kind of ruin some shit for us. I mean, like, I like it when guys hold the door for me. 
I think, see, the thing is, I think there's room for both. I think there's room for both respecting women. And, they, here's, the, and here's the thing. Ideally, this, that's, what, that's what would happen. Like, holding the door for a woman is showing respect to a woman. You know, it's not being condescending. Right. It's showing respect. Holding, holding the car door open, you know, paying for a meal, doing stuff like that. They're all things that I think are respectful. Say, not swearing in front of women, saying, you know, yes, ma'am, and stuff like that. I think those are all respectful things that people should do. But that doesn't... that The problem is when it gets into the patronizing category Mm -hmm. which happened a lot in the 40s and the 50s right and doesn't seem like it happens as much anymore at least from my perspective but it's you know it's i'm not a a woman so it's hard to say but that's where i think that's where i think the cutoff should be when it gets into the the patronizing and when it gets into like you said not getting paid the equal amount of money for equal work and things like that that's 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 when you run into problems so, um, the meat thing. So then they're chasing them. And they get, well, they get complaints. Okay. Should they complain to them? And then that's where we find out that if they have 15 more complaints, they get kicked out of campus. Mm-hmm. Also at the same time, the damage bill for their last party or whatever came in to the house and it's like $7,000. They have to pay that within the next three days or they'll get kicked out of their house. And obviously they don't want to get kicked out of their house and they don't want to get kicked out of school. So it's set up a lot like Animal House. Yeah. That's what this movie reminded me of. Because we have the preppies, we have the not preppies, and we have a problem that needs to be solved, and we have a president or dean of the college as an antagonist. You know, one of the main antagonists of the movie. So it reminded me a lot of Animal House in that in that way. With the PC sort of spin on it. Yeah. Um, so then after that, they decide what they're going to do is they're going to throw a party. Everyone kind of gets their jobs, which they all fail at. <laughs> and then they have to try again. Basically, they, they, they re, they redistribute what they're going to do as far as the party goes. And then they try to put it on. Tom, meanwhile, is pissing everyone off at the school. Yes. All the meat, the people, the, that were protesting the meat know that he was part of the group that threw the meat at him. So they are running after him. He goes in, when he's running from them, he goes into where everyone's doing their term papers and he trips over the power cord uh, with honors style and everyone's (laughs) computer crashes. So they all lose their thesos because for whatever reason, people don't know to save their theremins to a disc. Theremins, you are such a weirdo. Anyway, so... They're all running after him. Then he runs through the hippie games, as they call them, (laughs) which is the womenists and the hippie group playing ultimate frisbee against each other. And someone throws the frisbee. He runs in front of it, grabs it. And instead of just dropping it, like he probably should have, just holds on to it as he's running away. And they are like, oh, he snagged the bee. (laughs) And they don't really run after him at first because they're all high. But it's it's implied that they're not happy with the right. situation, even though they're smiling constantly. Um, so, did you, did you recognize who was the main hippie guy, too? No. So, you know Gary Busey, right? I recognize the name the Gary actor. Busey. He's a little nuts, a lot there. The, his son, whose name is Jake, Jake Busey, okay. is that guy. And he looks a lot like his dad, the creepy teeth. <laughs> but anyway, so he runs away from him, and then you know, like we get to the party. Take it from here. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know. They have a party, and they do have a party. They make the money. Yep, they get everyone to show up. They get everyone. Their their idea is to get everyone together, to bring everyone together, in the spirit, in what in what unites them, their youth. Their, you know, their desire to rebel against authority. Everyone gets laid. That, that, that's the main tagline of the party. So I think they're thinking that's going to bring them together. Yeah, because that's what the band was supposed to be called. And they have to go around and, like, 
um, gather up liquor and beer because the guy they sent to go buy beer um, gets high and passes out. I want to yeah. know what the was guy from, in guy from the Rudy. weed that he smoked because that is not normal. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so a bus stops, a tour bus stops, and he says, oh, can I get a ride back to my my place, my house? And it's George Clinton mm-hmm. and the Parliament Funkadelic. So they say, okay, they come back, and suddenly now George Clinton is playing at the party. They convince them that they, they missed their show, so they convince them to st- stay and play at this party. And so now it's a big rockin' party now. But they get all these complaints, and the dean is having a meeting. There's the 200th uh, anniversary is tomorrow. She's having a meeting with all the alumni and stuff like that. And two of the alumni, Tom hears them talking about how they hate her and they hate all this PC crap that she does and that they would get rid of her if they could and that, you know, she'll she'll have enough rope to, to hang herself at some point. So they get all these complaints, so they're getting kicked out even though they have the money for the damages. The next day is the centennial. She's giving the speech. She's changed their 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 mascot from the offensive Indian to the whooping crane. Now, how an is, endangered species. Yeah, how is as that supposed says. to be less offensive? I don't know. Taking an endangered species and making it a mascot? That's terrible. Yeah. But she has a real live whooping crane. Yeah. I don't think they had a real live Indian for their mascot. <laughs> God, I hope not. So, and by the way, that seems I, I know I know the the Washington Redskins. That's a horrible name. They really need to change that name. Yes, they do. But the Cleveland Indians, you know, are a team. And they have that Chief Wahoo or whatever as their mascot. I don't I don't get Connecticut. Connecticut doesn't seem like... It, it seems like you would call it... It wouldn't just be the Indians. It'd be the tribe name. Like in Michigan, the Central Michigan University's mascot is the Chippewa. They're the Chippewa. That, that's a that's a Indian tribe that lived in Michigan at some point before the horrific genocide that we inflicted upon them. Right. But, you know, Connecticut, it's just like, it's Indian, it's too general. I would think it would be, I don't know, Iroquois? I think okay. that's Connecticut as Iroquois, I think. I, I don't know. Anyway, so it just seemed short-sighted. It's my only complaint about the movie. Okay. <laughs> but, so... They stage this thing where the security is distracted and she's distracted because they let the whooping crane out of its cage. And then Jeremy Piven comes up and says, oh, we had this great party. I thought we finally, we all came together and everything. And then we got so many complaints that we got kicked out of school. We're not going to protest. And then he leads them in a chant of we're not going to protest. What? Yeah. But you, you, didn't, you don't remember that part of the movie? No, I, I do. Okay. So I'm just saying. You're, you're just being the audience right now. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, they he they lead he leads them in a chant of we're not going to protest, which is a turns into a giant protest right. at this centennial, embarrassing the dean whose whose whooping crane got got away, <laughs> and the what's his name David Spade comes up there and. He says, oh, you know, you think you've won, blah, blah, blah. Basically goes on an evil monologue. (laughs) And Jeremy Piven's got the the microphone. And, you know, he's kind of holding it. Like, he can't see it, but he's holding it up so everyone can hear him. And then he's denigrating every group. The gay group, the minority group, the women, all all these things. Wow. Yeah, he basically just denigrates them all. So then they all hate him. So they all start chasing after him. (laughs) And then the dean gets kicked out. She gets fired. So they're not kicked out of their house anymore. Yay. And the movie's over, basically. And Tom's going to come in the fall and go to school there. And he made out with that, that girl. Whose ass he checked out. Right. But yeah, it was, it was a really good, funny, cute movie. I liked it. I can't go into all the specifics or we'd be here forever. But there's a lot of good lines. There's a lot of funny... It's a, it's, a, it's a solidly made comedy film. Yeah. You should definitely check it out. I think Carol liked it better than she liked Ace Ventura, 
Pet Detective. For sure. So we will end this episode as we end all episodes with our blockbuster pick of the week. This week at Blockbuster, there are two movies. Well, they're in the next next few days. They'll be coming to Blockbuster. So get on it early. Uh, why don't you do yours first? The Three Musketeers. Oh my gosh, I loved this movie. Girls, are you with me? I mean, what's hotter than The Three Musketeers? <laughs> I do it just for that look. Just for that look. But you got Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. Sure. Name and, them all. um... I'm going to try. And, um... Yeah. That's right, him. <laughs> well, no, but there's another one. Uh, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Okay. Is he in that? I don't know. Yeah. He's like the fourth musketeer. Sure. D'Artagnan? Yeah. And, um, anyway, I mean, we all know the story of... No, 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 no. That's not all of them. There are four musketeers. <laughs> even though it says three. But there are four of them. You're missing two. You said Kiefer Sutherland. Uh-huh. You said Donald O'Connor, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Okay, um... One is of, it Charlie Sheen? Yep, that's one. And... Then the hottest one of them all. I don't know. Oliver I, Platt, baby. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's why. So hot. Okay, so... Right, I, ladies? I, Oliver Platt. Oliver Platt is not hot, but the rest of them are. And, um... Who's the villain? <laughs> I don't remember. Stop making fun of me. All you remember is it was not Sullen, worth apparently. the look. Um, but no, I mean, ladies and men, check out the movie. You know, we got the sword fights and all that shit. But sure. you know, it's it's a good one. Tim Curry is the villain, by the way. Isn't he the villain in Robin Hood too? He plays Cardinal Richelieu. Is he the villain in Robin Hood? You know, that movie, the, it, when that come out? 91, I think? Yeah. 91 or 92. So yeah, the, that era, there were there were two Robin Hood movies. The Mel Brooks one and the Kevin Costner one. One time about Prince of Thieves. And one was just a hor- like a horrible farce parody. And the other one uh, was the Mel Brooks one. Okay, I'm talking about Prince of Thieves. <laughs> hey! <laughs> No, <laughs> Prince of Thieves. You get it? He didn't even have a. He didn't even have an English accent. I don't care. It was an amazing movie. Oh God, it was so stupid. It's got Christian Slater, and um, um, my mind's going blank again. Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. My mind has movie. a lot of blank. Kevin Costner plays Robin Hood. Yeah. The star of the film. Yeah. No, uh, Alan Rickman is the sheriff oh, of Nottingham in that yeah. film. With a. Sp- why has been because it'll hurt more alan rickman is a fucking national treasure even though it's not our nation <laughs> but he is great love him he is ever since die hard anyway so that's your so go ever yes. all late all the ladies go and check out robin hood prince of thieves no and the three musketeers <laughs> three musketeers all the ladies go out check the three musketeers for that hot oliver platt action oh would you stop my my pick is Adam's Family Values. Now, y'all remember Adam's Family. <laughs> but Adam's Family Values takes it up a notch and adds Joan Cusack. <laughs> I don't know. Je- guys, check it out for Christina Ricci. Oh, okay. You're trying to make me jealous. I got it. It's cute. Yeah. Just like Christina Ricci. She is cute. I agree. <laughs> she looks like me. She does look like you, actually. <laughs> but anyway, like a lot like you. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good movie. I, I prefer, actually, I prefer the second one to the first one. I think the second one is a better and funnier film. You got Raul Julia, Angelica Houston. Can't stop. I have I have a confession to make. You've never seen it. Never seen either one of them. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Oh, the first one is good. The first one's sort of like an introductory thing, even though we've all seen the TV show mm-hmm. re- reruns of the TV show. Yeah. But it's kind of an introduction as to what this family is, how it's going to operate, blah 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 blah. The family va- values is about uh, Uncle Fester has a woman that 
wants to she's dating like she she expresses interest in him but she has nefarious nefarious plans okay she's using him basically and he doesn't know that and the family tries to word him up on it and everything so yeah i'm not going to get into more than that because i don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't seen the film but if you haven't if you saw the first one and you haven't seen this one or even if you didn't see the first one because you don't really need to to enjoy this movie check it out it's i think it's a i think it's a more solid script and it's funnier than the first one is that's my opinion so that is our show for the week. Why don't you why don't you do some stuff for us? <laughs> why don't you tell some people that you know tapes get the tapes? Why don't you why don't you pass some tapes on to people and tell them that you love this show and that you love everything about it and force it into conversations. When people start talking about Bill Clinton, say, "Hey, speaking <laughs> speaking of Bill Clinton." cheating on his wife i've cheated on my silence by by listening to this so here's my promise to you people all right there we go i'm going to actually take notes and prepare myself next time and and then you know you won't have any reason to correct me and it'll be awesome next next episode i'm gonna be right on point people it sounds like more like a promise to me <laughs> to the people. Tell this is this is the time when we tell people what they do for us. Money. <laughs> <laughs> In my locker. Yeah. I have a rich uncle. That's why she's dating me. <laughs> Money in the locker. Go to Carol's locker. And if any of you You see where it is. Out there know what you know the what's hell going happened on. with Brenda and Dylan and Kelly. Write us. Write us. Yes. Write us and let us know. And money. And tell people. And, you know, draw five stars on a tape and send it to us. Yeah. As as a, yeah, you get all, you get all the stars. You could decorate my locker with stars. There you go. Five stars for Carol. All in the locker. Just decorate it up. Give us all, all those stars. All right. Bye, peoples. Go, goodbye.